You're listening to the She's Unshakable podcast. I'm your host, Fleur Lonsdale. And if you're looking to create incredible courage, resilience, and unshakable belief in yourself, then this podcast is for you. Each episode, I'll be interviewing incredible adventurers, athletes, and entrepreneurs to dig deep into the strategies and tools they use to create unwavering courage and belief so that you can learn how to never give up on your goals and achieve the life of your dreams. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the She's Unshakable podcast. I'm so excited that you're here with us. And today I get to talk to Nicole Snell, who is a speaker. She's a self-defense instructor and a huge adventurer. And I absolutely love watching her adventures and travels around the world. And I wanted her to talk to you today a little bit about her transition, how she got into self-defense and also their troubles and tribulations along the way. It's very difficult for some of us to think about stepping into a new career, seeing how that's going to be possible for us, and especially doing it in a place like self-defense. And so I'm excited for her to join us today and talk to her about your adventures and tips and tricks so that she can help you too. Welcome, Nick. I'm so excited to have you with us today. I can't wait for you to share your story with our listeners because you're an inspiration and you're super cool and I love seeing your adventures and your self-defense stuff. So I can't wait for you to share that with everyone. And I'd love for you to start off. First off, my first question is going to be, what's your morning routine? I love this question. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to be on your podcast. I am very excited to be here and um, I just feel very humbled and honored that um, that you asked me. So thank you. Awesome. My morning routine. Um, so I have a, or I have an Amazon echo and, uh, an echo dot and I've programmed it with a morning. How would you say a morning, like a morning affirmation? Oh, cool. Yeah. It's a morning affirmation that I programmed into and it basically says, Nicole, you're doing amazing. Keep it up. You can do anything you put your mind to. And I light some sage, and that's how I start my morning. Do you know? And what? then I go about and do. I had no idea you could do that with an Echo Dot. I am totally gonna go and do that with mine just as we finish. That's so cool. Oh yeah. It's called a routine. So if you go into your app. And you click like add routine. So what it does is it says, good morning, Nicole. And then it says my affirmation. And then it tells me the weather for the day. And then it starts playing a playlist. And I have an empowerment playlist that I play. You know, it has Beyonce. It has Lizzo. It has Jesse J. Um, and I play that to pump me up as I'm, you know, getting dressed, brushing my teeth, making my breakfast and, and getting ready for my day. Wicked. Tip number one, everyone, if you've got an Echo Dot, make sure to put your morning routine in it. That's so cool. I literally didn't know that. <laughs> so awesome. I love it. Oh, what a great idea. It helps me start the day right to have someone telling me that I can do it, even though it's, you know, it's not real, but it's, <laughs> it's real to me to hear it. <laughs> Absolutely. That's all you need, right? A little bit of a boost in your confidence, especially in the morning, you know? So good. I love exactly. it. Exactly. Awesome. So why don't you tell um, our listeners a little bit about your story and how you've got to where you are now? Well, so I, my name is Nicole and I grew up in a small town in the middle of the desert in Southern California. And 
out there, there's not a lot, there wasn't a lot to do as far as, you know, recreation that you would find in a big city, but it was very close to Joshua Tree National Park, which is a very uh, popular national park, at least it is now. Back when I was a kid, it it was popular, but now that we have social media, a lot more people know about it, but that was pretty much my backyard. I was in the desert, you know, exploring, you know, the fields and the washes and, you know, learning about all the different types of animals and plants and just being surrounded by mountains and, and all the natural beauty. And that's really what sparked in me the love of adventure and the love of exploring. Like I would spend just hours walking in the desert and, you know, find a new plant that I'd not seen before or count how many lizards I saw that day. And, um, and it really, it just really felt like a, a symbiotic type of relationship with nature and land. And I'm very grateful that I had that experience as a kid because it expanded as I became an adult. You know, I moved in, uh, into the city and went to Cal state long beach. I graduated summa cum laude with a speech communication degree And then I moved into Los Angeles where I live now and I started out as a, uh, in the entertainment industry. You know, I, in college I was an intern and then I moved up to production assistant and then I kept moving up in the production world until I ended my career as a line producer and executive in charge of production for a, um, one of the largest production companies in the world. And it was a great experience. I met so many wonderful people and worked on great projects and made a lot of lasting relationships. And along the way, I started exploring a lot of different activities that I didn't get to do in a small town. I took up ice skating. I took (laughs) up horseback riding. I went skydiving. I went hang gliding. I, you know, started traveling for recreation in addition for traveling for work and started traveling solo and realizing how much I loved it and the, the freedom you have when you can land in a new city where you don't know anyone and figuring things out as you go, you know, how to get from the airport to your hostel or your hotel, what sites to see, who to, you know, how to communicate with people if there's a language barrier and, Um, seeing things from the eyes and the perspectives of the local people there, that really gives you perspective, especially when you come back to the United States and you, you know, you have a very set idea of how you live here, but then when you travel, it gives you so much wider perspective on how everyone else lives and the cultural differences that are beautiful, but it may not be something that you experience if you don't travel. So I feel very fortunate for that experience. And I know not everyone has the privilege to do that. The travel is such a wonderful way to connect with other people and to really learn about yourself. So I did a lot of traveling and, and started doing more outdoor adventurous activities as I was also working in TV production. And then um, I started feeling the the activism call, I guess you could say. I really wanted to do more to help people, especially women. And I wasn't sure how to do that and, and how to make that work considering the career that I had. And, you know, I was very busy and, and you know, it, you work long hours and there's always so much going on. And I was trying to figure out how I could do more with the time that I had. 
And what ended up happening is I had the opportunity to um, work with a group that I had been involved with when I was in college. And they had received um, an invitation to start doing work for the U.S. military and traveling around and doing the sexual assault prevention trainings. And so I had just been laid off from my production career. They had decided to change their strategy of content and they got rid of our whole department. And the other opportunity to travel with the military came up at the exact same time. So it was such a fortuitous um, opportunity to be able to leave yeah, to be able to leave one career and start another one pretty seamlessly. So um, I did that, and I worked with that company and uh, got to travel the world speaking and facilitating workshops and teaching service members, you know, in many different places, not only in the U.S., but worldwide, as I said. And that was such a unique and an amazing experience. And, you know, I worked with some really amazing folks And through them, I met the company that I work for now. So um, the one of the companies that was helping us is they have a program called Girls Fight Back and Students Fight Back. And I saw they had those programs and I reached out and I said, look, so I, you know, I'm working with the other company and I would really like to be a speaker because I love what you're doing. I want to empower people and I want to help people. How can I do that? And they didn't have an opening for about three months and then they had an opening and I got trained. Part of the training involved taking a full contact self-defense class. So I took the impact women's basics class and graduated from that. And after I took that class, I said, I want to teach this as well. (laughs) It was just, it was just so eye opening as to what you can do in self-defense without having any training whatsoever. You know, I had taken, you know, martial arts classes in my past. Like I had taken karate, I had taken judo, I had taken some jujitsu, you know, off and on throughout the years. And I was always athletic, you know, I played, you know, volleyball and basketball and, you know, I was always into hiking and rollerblading and running and, and all sorts of different active activities. But to learn what we learned in impact was just, I mean, it was so amazing. It was practically useful immediately after taking the class. Like you could go out and use any of the things you learned immediately and it was just simple and you got to fight someone for real, <laughs> full contact, the the instructor is fully padded so you can do all the strikes and just see how powerful you are. Yeah. And I, I loved it and I saw the change in myself from taking the class and I knew that I wanted to teach this as well. So that is kind of how I started in my career now as a self-defense instructor and an international speaker. I, um, I currently work for the Girls Type Back program, which we have several programs. We have the ones we do primarily for colleges and high schools, and then we have the program that we do for corporate audiences um, and uh, you know things of that nature businesses, things like that. And then I teach for impact here locally in Los Angeles. We teach at several local high schools. So I'm teaching high school kids, um, very, uh, mostly um, girls, but we also have a school where we teach um, a mixed gender audience. 
and public classes, private classes, um, in addition to traveling around the country, doing the other speaking events. And I, I just love it. I Ooh, love it. Awesome. So I'd love to know, like, obviously that's um, an interesting jump of careers. What made you sort of, some people can be, you know, a little bit put on on hold or that they find it a little bit daunting or scary to try something new and get a spin get into a new career essentially like what made you take the jump and not just stay where you were oh that's a great question so it was really hard for me to decide to jump careers because I had just spent 12 years in the production industry you know building myself up from you know an intern that's mm-hmm. doing it for school credit to someone who's running you know multi-million dollar projects yeah And, you know, you kind of get on a career path and, you know, traditionally people feel like, you know, you should continue on that path and keep going and progress, you know, you move up the ladder to, you know, whatever the the highest position is. And that's kind of how you gauge your success. So, of course, there was that pressure for me to stay with it and, you know, go work for another company and, and kind of continue my career like that. But I was really passionate about helping people. And, and doing something that was going to be rewarding day in and day out, knowing that I was positively impacting people's lives. And that's not to say you don't get to do that in production, but I wanted to do it in a different way. You know, I wanted to have direct, um, contact with people and, and helping them in a more direct way. And this opportunity was really scary because, you know, it wasn't a full-time position. It wasn't. a a traditional position, you know, where you're not working in an office and you have set hours, which are all things I had been used to. So it was a whole different type of employment that I had no way of judging how, how I was going to be able to continue to, you know, pay my bills and, and live my life and things without something that was steady. I always felt like you needed something steady in order to, you know, be comfortable and to um, feel secure that you could, you know, pay all your bills, make all your ends meet. So I told myself, you know what, I'll give it, I'll give it a year. I'll give myself a year to see how this, how this would all play out. You know, um, this seems like a really good opportunity and there may be more things later down the line that I can pivot off of. And I always loved being in front of people and speaking in front of people. I mean, I'll be honest, when I was in um, high school, I wanted to be an actor. That's part of the reason why I came to <laughs> Los Angeles um, from my small town, which was, you know, only a few hours away. But I came here and I took acting classes. And, you know, back then that was my goal. And when I started interning in, in production, I found I loved being behind the scenes more. I loved running the production and handling the logistics and doing the budgets and hiring the crew. All those things I liked I liked more. I found out I liked more, but I always loved being in front of people. So here's an opportunity for me to speak in front of people, which is a performance and being able to pass along some really important information to help them. I just knew that the timing was too perfect for me not to try. And I just figured I would go for it. And what's the worst that could happen? I fail. Okay. And I go and I find another production job and I just continue forward like with what I was doing. So I felt like I had the ability to switch careers. And then if things weren't working out, I could always switch back. That was my plan B. (laughs) Cool. Luckily, you didn't have to do that. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, right. 
So cool. So what about the challenges that you faced along the way? Like I'd love to dig into some of the things that you maybe thought maybe came up that you weren't really expecting or anything that you had to surrender to along that journey of changing careers and doing something a little bit different, essentially? Yes, so I think one of the main challenges is trusting yourself and being okay with being flexible and finding a way to find peace when things don't go exactly to your plan. There were a lot of things that didn't go exactly to plan, you know, um, much like in production, you know, things are constantly changing, logistics change, you know, you may spend a lot of time working on, you know, this plan of action, but then something happens and you have to change your plan of action. So you have to be comfortable with that. And, you know, working in the, you know, in the context of, you know, working with the military, sometimes you have things like that happen where you would have to pivot and change. Uh, when you're giving a performance, you may need to, you know, adjust your tactic and adjust your strategy depending on your audience. So, um, and then learning new information, you know, sometimes you are, are challenged on a fact or challenged on a way of thinking that you hadn't thought before. Yeah. And being able to address that during a performance and then come back and do your own research and find out ways that you can better address that in the future is really important. But that was quite a challenge for me to, um, to know that there's going to be things that I don't know. There's going to be things that I don't know well, and I have to be okay with that knowing that I am doing the best with the information I have and that I will seek out the right information so that I can better address questions later. And that applies to even, you know, now, you know, working in, um, you know, primarily the U.S., doing presentations at colleges and teaching self-defense. You know, you have to really listen to people and try to put yourself in their shoes where they're coming from and deliver the information in a way that is going to work best for them and know that, you, it's not always going to be perfect and you have to be okay with that and and just know that as long as your heart's in the right place and you're trying to help people that that's the best you can do yeah totally so I want to I want to dig a little deeper is did something happen at a presentation where like where something happened that triggered you to say that or is this just like an overall view of it you know what? I had a I had a presentation. Um, I was doing, I believe, a student fight back presentation, and um, and I had a student ask a question that I didn't really know how to answer, yeah. and I felt like I should have known how to answer it. Sure. And the answer that I gave was kind of a non-answer because I didn't know. And I'm always the first one to say if I don't know something. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna sugarcoat. I'm gonna say, hey, you know, that's a that's a great question. I don't have an answer for that. Yeah. Here's what I could do with what I have. And, you know, email me afterwards. You know, I'll try to find an answer for you. Yeah. And the student wasn't super thrilled with that answer. And, and I could tell by, you know, by their body language. And, and they came up to me afterwards. And sometimes it's really hard to hear, you know, criticisms or to have someone feel like, like I didn't give them what they needed and what they were wanting as far as like what information. And I had to be okay with 
with knowing that maybe even if I had given them the perfect answer, maybe it still wouldn't have been right. So it's, it's sometimes hard for me not to internalize things because I care so deeply about people and, and about this work that I want, I, I have to make sure that I don't internalize things like that so much and make it about me. Cause it's not about me. Like it's about the work and trying to, to understand other people's perspectives. And that it doesn't mean that I did a bad job or that, you know, any of those things that you kind of like start to self criticize and, you know, go down that rabbit hole of, of thinking that what you're doing is not good enough and things like that. So that's something that I struggle with. That's a vulnerability of mine is overthinking things and being really, really hard on myself. And I am still a work in progress and learning, (laughs) you know, to do that less. (laughs) For someone, um, for someone who says that, though, you sound like you've still got a lot of confidence. And I guess, I mean, that comes from experience as well. But you've got that mindset where, you know, you might have these thoughts and doubts about yourself and might not be good enough. But actually, you know that that's just a story that you're telling yourself and that you are good enough and that you do do everything the best way possible and that you're always learning and you're always growing. Am I right? Yeah, and Echo tells me that every morning. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the secret sauce, isn't it? It's all about Echo's morning routine, that's it. Like, yeah, telling you, yeah. morning routines, you get them down, you're going to be sorted for life. <laughs> but, uh, like, in all honesty, like, it's amazing what happens when you do uh, and you change your morning routine. I think people massively underestimate that, especially affirmations and things, I think, honestly, are life-changing. Um, yeah. That's awesome. So I'd love to ask another question that you can take whichever way you want. Like, is there a time that you have thought or maybe thought that someone has seen that you had failed at something? Um, And how did you get up from that? Or maybe you don't, maybe you don't think that you have failed at anything. And, you know, I feel like this is maybe where this is going to go. But if you've ever felt that, I'd love to know your story behind it. Oh gosh, only the one time I failed. <laughs> I've had plenty of failures. <laughs> um, as as everyone, I'm sure, has had plenty of failures. For sure. And I have grown a lot as a person and try to think of failures now as opportunities to grow. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of great like sayings and I, I don't know who has said all of them, but I'm gonna give credit to all the wonderful people who've come before me that have wonderful quotes on failure and what it means and how it's, you know, an opportunity to learn something new and that, you know, yeah. it's only a failure if you don't try again and all those great things. But that really does apply. Um, I would say one of the uh, one of the times that I felt like I failed was when I was doing my lifeguard training back when I was like 15. <laughs> I, um, my dad is a retired Marine, so we lived uh, near a military base. And as a dependent, I was able to you know work on the military base and I was going to be a lifeguard at the main pool for the summer. So I had to take lifeguard training. And the lifeguard training is run by the military. So it is extreme. It was extremely intense. They do yeah. not take it easy on us, even <laughs> though we're civilians, dependents. They treat you just like if you were in the military yeah. with the same expectations um, as far as, you know, passing the class. Um, and I remember I did my first day, and my first day was 
was terrible. I just terrible. I felt like I couldn't do the swimming strokes as well as the other people. And granted, I, I wasn't because I didn't know them <laughs> very well, <laughs> the, the strokes. And I was slower than everyone. And I was just really in a self-defeated mode. And I remember coming home and just being like, I can't, I can't do this. Like I should just quit. I should just quit. You know, it's a week long training. I finished the first day just barely, but I should just, I should just quit and stop and yeah. just leave it alone. And I was sitting in my room thinking about it and I was like, you know what? No, I've got, I'm going to go back for just one more day. I'm just going to, I'm just going to try for one more day because, you know, maybe it'll be better. Maybe it'll be better. You know, it can't be, it can't be this bad both days, even though it felt awful. Positive thinking. <laughs> yeah. So I went back and one of the things that they had us do is the deepest part of the pool was 16 feet deep. And I had never swum to the bottom of something that deep before. And so they throw a, a big blue rubber brick into yeah. the pool and they're like, all right, you have to go get the brick. If you cannot get the brick, you cannot pass lifeguard training because you have to be able to swim to the bottom. Mm-hmm. That's, that's part of the thing. So this was kind of like a pass or fail moment. And I remember, you know, I'm on the side of the pool. I push to go down to the bottom and I get, you know, maybe halfway down and I lose my breath and I have to come back up. And I remember sitting there holding onto the side of the pool, like thinking in my head, I, I don't want to fail. Like, I don't want to go home today. Like I, I came out again because I was hoping I could get through this. I don't want to go home yet. So I took a big breath and I went down again. Couldn't get it. Couldn't go all the way down. And I come back up and I take a deep breath. And I remember, I forget who it was, but I remember there was someone on the edge of the pool. And I looked at them and I was almost crying. I might have been crying. I don't remember. But I was I was very upset. And I looked at them and I was like, I can't do it. And they're like, yeah, you can. You can do it. Just, just one more time. Just, just go for it. Just don't even think about it. Just take a breath and just keep kicking until you get there. Don't stop. And I was like, okay. I took a deep breath. I went down and my ears started hurting and my chest felt tight and I just kept kicking, kept kicking, kept kicking. I closed my eyes and just kept kicking and then my fingers hit the brick and I grabbed it and I pushed off and I got it (laughs) and I got to finish my lifeguard training. So I, that was the turnaround moment for me. I was like, Oh, I did it. I did it. I was so excited. (laughs) And after that, I finished the other, the rest of that day, the other three days, and I got my lifeguard certification, and I was a lifeguard for two years. Nice. That's awesome. Um, I think it, it's funny because I was sort of expecting your dad to come up in that story and be like, come on, you can do this. <laughs> <laughs> but you did it all on your own. You didn't even need, like, well, essentially a tiny little push, but, you know, it's amazing yeah. what happens when someone else tells you you can do it, isn't it? Like it's so, it's so interesting. I, I see this so much, especially when I work with people sort of one-on-one and I'm like, you can do this. Like you know inside that you have the power to be able to make this happen. And as soon as you say that, they kind of just have this realization of like, oh my goodness, you're right. Like I can do this. I don't need this out thing or this something else to come from somewhere else to do this. I've got all the power inside me to do it. And it's so amazing what happens when, you know, you just have someone to just tell you that. I think it's great. So congrats. I'm glad that you made it through. (laughs) 
Thank you. Thank you. I know it was so long ago, but I still, that's cemented in my memory. Yeah. Oh, that feeling. Those things, hey, those moments of turnaround, I think, are just crazy. And especially because I, I don't know, were you surrounded in a pool of other men or were there any other the women or ladies in there or girls? Oh, yeah. It was mixed gender. There was a few other um, girls my age. But there was a lot of um, one of our instructors was a woman like uh, she I forget if she was former military, but she was very strict. You know, she was like, yeah. we are not going to sugarcoat this. If you can't do it, like you're going to be responsible for people's lives. So we're not here to just let you pass. Like you have to earn it because we're not going to put you yeah. out there on the stand without knowing that you can handle yourself and, and save someone. Like this is not about like, oh, let's join summer camp. Like this is, <laughs> this is serious. It's life and death. So she really put that fear in all of us, you know, yeah. like, hey, we, we have to do this and we have to take it serious. But Absolutely. yeah, there was there was others, mostly men, but yeah. there were a few other women, including a, a woman that was in charge. Awesome. So I'd love to ask you another one of my favorite questions is what's one of the scariest things you've ever done? Oh, I have a long list of those. (laughs) (laughs) Give Um, us your top one or two. Let's see. I think skydiving was one of the scariest things I've ever done. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I wanted to do it. I'm very happy I did it. I can't wait to do it again. Yeah. I decided to go, and I had a friend that that I was working with at the time, one of my coworkers, that skydived. And he'd been talking about it and how cool it was. And I was like, all right, I want to do it. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready to try. So I went to, I went there. It was in Lake Elsinore, skydive. And I get ready to to go. I'm signing all the paperwork. And really the paperwork is the scariest part of skydiving. (laughs) Because you're signing off your life. Basically, yeah. I think there was even something in there that was like, yeah, if we forget to pack a parachute, like, you're not, we're not responsible. Like, you know, if this happens, (laughs) we're not responsible. You could die. Like, just the most awful things that you have to sign off on. I almost walked out. (laughs) Yeah. I I was thinking to myself, am I really doing this? It's really (laughs) the smartest thing to do. But um, I signed it all off. I, went through the, you know, they'd give you like a little bit of introduction and a little bit of training on the ground about what to expect and the briefing and everything. My friend was not my tandem partner. That's not what his training was in. I had to have another person as my tandem partner that I was jumping with, but he jumped at the same time as me, just, you know, separately. Oh yeah. So we get on the plane to go up and I had been on planes before, of course, but I had not ever been on a small plane like that where the door, they don't close the door. Yeah. The door stays open the whole time because obviously you're jumping out of it. But, you know, I've only been in a pressurized plane at that point. Yeah. So that was unexpected. I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm <laughs> seatbelted in, and um, we're climbing up, and they said, are you getting nervous? And I said, yeah. <laughs> Looking out this window, and the, the street's getting real small. The houses are getting real tiny down there. And the door is open. And we kept climbing, climbing. We reached the, the, the point where we're all going to jump. And all the more experienced jumpers, you know, they're all jumping first. They're jumping out of the plane. They're jumping out of the plane. And my heart is, like, in my throat. I am just terrified. But I knew I, I, knew I had to do it. I knew I was going to be okay once I got out. Yeah. 
but I was so scared. I had that moment where I said, you know, it's, I can still step, I can still cancel. <laughs> I can still just sit back on the seat and say, you know what? I'm not going, you go ahead. Just I'll go down when the plane lands and just get out. But I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to let myself down. I didn't want let, want to let anyone else down that had, you know, I had told I was going. Yeah, for sure. So I got up. My tandem, you know, uh, instructor was standing behind me. I'm all clipped in. We go to the door. There's a bar at the top, and I go to reach for the bar, and he smacks my hand. He's like, no, the bar's for me. Hold on. You just hold on to your 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 harness straps. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then stand there. I'm standing on the edge looking down, and I think, I'm pretty sure there were clouds, um, so I couldn't see straight down yet. Totally a good thing. And he was like, okay. And he's yelling because it's a lot of air. One, two, three. And we just, and I just stepped out. And the first like five seconds, you feel that feeling when you're on a roller coaster where like your stomach goes into your throat, Yeah, you know, that, that feeling of falling. Yeah. But I found out later that that is the feeling when your body's accelerating. And once you accelerate as fast as you're going to go, that feeling goes away. So I expected that feeling for the whole way down. But I only had that feeling for the first five seconds. And then I just was, then I just felt like I was completely still with just air blowing in my face. Yeah. Like I didn't feel any sensation of moving or falling other than all the wind. And then I was just ecstatic. (laughs) (laughs) I was laughing and smiling and my friend came over and we like held hands in the air and, you know, and then. My, my, um, tandem instructor was like having us do some spins and some circles. I was having the best time. And then he tapped me to have me look at my altimeter on my wrist, which it tells you when you're supposed to pull the cord for the parachute. And he, you know, that's part of the instruction. They tell you that that's what's going to happen. And that's when you pull. And I was like, oh yeah, I want to pull the cord. I was having such a great time. I did not know what he meant. I was like, what? What do you want me to do? Hey, leave me alone. I'm having fun. He had to pull the cord. Oh, that's hilarious. That's so good. And then good. it was silence. Like, after you, all that air, after you yeah, stop falling, so and you're just peaceful. floating in the parachute, there's yeah. not sound. It's so peaceful, hey? So peaceful. And then you're just, like, watching and, you know, the world, like, slowly as you go down. It's pretty surreal. Yeah, it really is. So... We landed, I got down, and I was like, all right, when do we go back? When do we go again? <laughs> let's do it again, let's do it again. You need to do so, one after the other, so really, don't you? I'm, I'm sorry, what was that? You need to do one after the other. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, cool. Um, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I'm glad that it went down all good. <laughs> I thought you might have like, something else is going to go wrong. Um, but yeah, cool. So... Obviously, I mean, I think they're they're fairly normal fears to have, you know, jumping out of a plane. I think most people get scared at, <laughs> at that thought or even yeah. speaking on stage. I mean, you, you know, being a speaker, most people freak out at the the idea of speaking on stage. And, and even me now, like when I'm on stage, I still get the tingles in the stomach and the excitement and what people want, might see as nerves. But you know, the little stuttering or the feeling in your throat when you're not too sure. But it's the same with anything, you know, when once you've done it once, it it gets easier. And you realize that the nerves are just a bit more about having fun and enjoying it while you're while you're doing it as well. I think 
it's a really good lesson to to know is that that first step off essentially like anything like jumping off a plane whether you're stepping off a plane or whether you're stepping onto a stage or whether you're stepping into a new career that first step is the hardest and then it gets easier 100% agree yeah and I think I'd love to know though um you know have you suffered with any, not suffered is the wrong word, but have you sort of struggled with any limiting beliefs that sort of pop up um, on your journey or that have been there? And do you have any tips or tricks of how you get around that? Um, I need a second to think about that. That's all good. You might not have any limiting beliefs, in which case that is all good too. <laughs> I mean, I guess, my limiting beliefs would be just, you know, everyone has things that they're insecure about. Everyone has vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. Everyone has things that they feel like they need to work on. And I guess one of my limiting beliefs is my impatience with myself and my need for perfection for myself. I have been told by many people in my life that I hold myself to a higher standard than I hold other people to. Yeah. So, uh, whereas I may be, you know, I feel like I'm very flexible with other people and I'm understanding because I understand, you know, things happen, plans have to change, things come up, um, you know, different things like that happen. But when those things are happening to me or, you know, I'm the one that has to call someone to reschedule because of something that came up or, Um, maybe I feel like I didn't, you know, say something as articulately as I wanted to during a presentation or answering a question, um, or, you know, dealing with, you know, any of our clients, et cetera, like that. Then sometimes I really get down on myself and judge myself really harshly and can get into the negative self-talk area, which is not productive and it doesn't help anybody. But it's sometimes it's very hard to get out of that if that's kind of been your survival mechanism for so long. You know, there's I'm sure there's a reason at some point in my life where I have taken that that stance and and feeling and way of operating and kind of closing myself off as a way of protecting myself from um, negativity or or trying to prove that I am that I, no matter what I do, it's always going to be a hundred percent right because that's always been something that's been valued in, in my life. And people I've dealt with is like, Oh, if you do things and you do it, you know, right. And you do it perfectly, like that's successful. But if you don't do it right, you don't do it perfectly. Then there's something wrong. And maybe it's something wrong that you did. And for me trying to push past that and understand that nothing's ever going to be perfect. Yeah. It's impossible. Nothing will ever be perfect. Nope. All you can do is your best. All you can do is learn from your mistakes, learn from your failures, try to be better, go and, and learn from other people. You know, if you say something that's insensitive, under, learn from that, learn from that experience, educate yourself so that you don't say something that's insensitive later, you know, ask that person for their help and understanding or do your own research and figure out what you can say or what you can do that, that 
will prevent that from happening in the future so that you can, you know, just work to being a better person and having better connections and better relationships with the people around you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's a huge thing to understand as well that perfectionist isn't actually going to make you win either because you'll never do something because you'll never think it's perfect. Like any perfectionist will literally sabotage themselves from doing anything because they'll never think it's perfect. It's it's yes. it's sad, but it's scary, but it's true as well. Um, I don't know if you've seen Brene Brown, but she talks a lot about that uh, like in her documentary and in her book as well. And how, I can't remember what she says, but basically like, perfection is like the devil. <laughs> like it's yes. just not what you want to get to or get into. Um, right. Cool. I love that. So have you got any sort of like best advice that you'd want to give to our listeners that you've learned throughout your story um, or your life or your journey that you'd love to share with them? Oh my gosh. Yes. I would love to give people the advice that you can do anything you want to do. I grew up in a small desert town. I am a biracial black woman. And there were a lot of things that I was told that I couldn't do because of my ethnicity, because of where I grew up, because of the fact that I'm a woman. And I didn't believe any of those things. Yeah. Any of the things, the limits that people put on me, I just didn't believe it. Damn right. I didn't believe that. (laughs) But that. Damn right. Yeah. I, you know, I remember being in elementary school, what, fourth grade, third grade, fourth grade, and wanting to be an astronaut. And we had an, a young astronauts program. And I remember the kids in the in the class and the, even the instructors saying things like, oh, well, women can't be astronauts. Girls can't be astronauts. But I still wanted to be in the program anyways because I was like, um, yeah, I can. <laughs> and I ended up not being an astronaut, but I found other things that I liked better. But it's not because I wasn't capable of doing it. And, you know, I wanted to go and, you know, play this sport. I was huge into sports. And people would always say, oh, girls can't play sports, you know, or you won't be good. You know, girls aren't good at those things. And I would never let them get to me. I liked what I liked. I liked to pick up lizards in the desert and catch grasshoppers and dig in the dirt and ride my bike and also play with my My Little Ponies. Like, (laughs) I wanted to do it all. (laughs) Whatever I liked. Whatever interested me, I did it whether someone thought that I should or shouldn't because of the way I looked or because of my gender. And I think that is the advice that I would like to give everyone is that if you like something, do it. Don't let stereotypes stop you. I am um, I'm a hype leader for a group here in Los Angeles called Black Girls Trekkin', and their motto and their um, their goals is to promote diversity, inclusion, education, and conservation in the outdoor spaces because there's a lot of stereotypes about black women and black people in general that, oh, we don't hike, we don't swim, we don't kayak, we don't camp, we don't do these types of things, but we do. And there's so many of us out there that are doing it And sometimes the internal stereotypes that we hear within our own communities can prevent us from wanting to go and explore those because we maybe don't feel supported in going and and trying these things. So Black Girls Trekking becomes a safe space, a supportive space for people to come and be like, hey, you know what? I've always wanted to try that. 
I don't have a lot of support to try that on my own, but hey, can I come and do it with you? And then we open people up to all these different wonderful outdoor adventures and and exploring and opportunities and nature and things that they may not have been exposed to or felt that they could be exposed to. And, and it gives them a whole new outlook and all new hobbies and things that they enjoy and are passionate about. And that's so important for us to uplift each other. And if you want to try something, it doesn't matter if no one else in your neighborhood or no one else in your family or no one else that looks like you has ever done it. If you want to do Mm -hmm. it, do it. It's okay. Like maybe you'll be the first and then you'll pave the way for other people to do it. But don't let stereotypes stop you from having the hobbies and doing the things that you enjoy and going after the things that you like because you need to do what makes you happy and go out there and just do it. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. That's awesome. <laughs> cool. So um, I'd love for our listeners to know where they can find you. Obviously, your Instagram handle is Adventures of Nick. So that's N-I-K. Um, where else can they find you and how can they support you? Oh, awesome. So, yes, I my Instagram is Adventures of Nick. That's also where I post my outdoor defense episodes, which are um, my combination of my love of the outdoors and hiking with my love of teaching self-defense. And um, all those episodes are posted on my Adventures of Nick um, account on Instagram TV. So take a uh, take a watch and share the videos. That would be amazing. I also have a professional Instagram account where I post most of my speaking events and um, professional type of events like that. And that is Nicole Empowers, N-I-C-O-L-E, and then E-M-P-O-W-E-R-S, no spaces or dashes, awesome. Nicole Empowers. And um, you can visit our um, the website for the company that I work for, Girls Fight Back, where we are trying to empower um, women and we have students fight back, which is for people of all genders that we teach personal safety and um, self-defense and boundary setting. So those are the websites, girlsfightback.com and studentsfightback.com. Amazing. I love it. Thank you. Oh, I can't forget about impact too. Impact personal safety. (laughs) If you're in Los Angeles, you want to do full contact self-defense classes um, you can take a, a private class or a public class with impact personal safety. And we're on Instagram at impact personal safety. And that's also the website as well. Impact personal safety.com. Sounds good. Uh, a woman of many talents, I think right now. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Hey, thanks so much for jumping on with us and um, sharing your story. And I'm sure it's empowered some ladies to go and do what it is that they want to do and forget about anything else or anyone else and what their thoughts are Um, and I'm stoked for that that's definitely a message that we want to be sharing more and empowering women out there to go and do the things that they want to do and the things that make them smile and make them proud so thank you so much for sharing and thanks for jumping on with us Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You are wonderful. Um, Thank you to all your listeners. And yeah, I, I hope to see everyone soon. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and head on over to iTunes or your favorite podcast listener and give us a five star review. Don't forget to join our free Facebook community called She's Unshakable, where we get to share our tips and tricks and experiences with building courage, resilience and belief in ourselves. I look forward to meeting you in there.